0: Today on In Good Faith, we're bringing you a special bonus episode from here in our studio at BYU Broadcasting. In Good Faith Senior Producer Heather Bigley is here. Hello. And I'm happy to introduce our audience to Elizabeth Clark. Elizabeth, thank you for coming in. My pleasure. She's the Associate Director of the International Center for Law and Religion Studies. Professor Clark has taken part in drafting commentaries and legal analyses of pending legislation and developments affecting religious freedom, and she's written an amicus brief on international religious freedom issues for the U.S. Supreme Court. You're here to talk about a particular conference, and tell me the name of the conference.
1: It's the Religious Freedom Annual Review. This will be our 10th year of doing this, and we're very excited. It brings in people from across the country.
0: And what was the purpose of starting this?
1: You know, in the beginning, we were trying to do something for lawyers. We were at a law school, just sort of continuing legal education, very dry and boring. But we found after a year or two, there was just enormous interest in it. And so we expanded and tried to make it more accessible and really interesting for people of all backgrounds.
0: You have even testified before Congress on religious freedom Mm -hmm. issues. And I wonder, Kips, I would think, well, our Constitution says there is religious freedom. End of story. So what are the different things to be concerned about or to want to keep a finger on the pulse of?
1: Part of it is how the Supreme Court interprets that Constitution. Ah. There's a lot of different ways to do that. But some of it's also laws, either in Congress or local state levels. You'd be surprised how much those have an impact on people every day being able to live out their beliefs with their job or their school. A few years ago, a teenage Muslim girl wanted to wear her headscarf when she was working. She was working at Abercrombie and Fitch and she loved to dress up and she had fancy clothes and the whole bit. But she wanted to come up with a stylish outfit that included her hijab or headscarf. Um, And they wouldn't let her. They said, oh no, we have a headgear policy. You can't wear hats. You can't wear headgear. And she's like, well, this is my religion. This isn't just wanting to wear a hat. This is a different order of of issue, but they wouldn't let her. And she ended up going all the way to the Supreme Court for the right to be able to express her religious beliefs while she was working, and she won.
0: So this year we have some podcasters invited, not just us, (laughs) but we are so happy to be a part of it. And part of it is Heather and I will be moderating some discussions with some podcasts hosts.
1: Oh, we are so excited. You know, we've found that podcasting is increasingly the way people get their news, they get opinion, they get a chance to sit and listen. I do it while I'm doing my dishes. This year we're focusing on religious communities, Mm -hmm. and podcasters are an important part of that because it's a new way of building community and bringing in people who maybe feel like they're a little on the outskirts.
0: Yeah, typically communities are people who meet each other where they live right. or where they worship right. or, or whatever it might be. But it's a real thing, these online communities. And we have experienced that. I have experienced that with I'm excited to meet people who listen to the same podcasts. I Absolutely.
1: do.
2: Absolutely. Or meet the podcasters. What's interesting about the conference this year is it seems like you're approaching this topic of – institutionalized religion itself is maybe seeing a falling off of participation, especially among younger generations. But at the same time, those younger generations are saying we are religious or we are spiritual or we are believers. And podcasting becomes this place
1: where people are starting to create these communities, right? It is. It is. This is an enormous opportunity to reach people who otherwise might come and sit in the back of the congregation and disappear and not talk to anyone to feel connected to people like them, to people with interests like them. Right. And we can see in the podcasting landscape that there are
2: enormous communities out there. We have people from all kinds of religious community or all different religious identifications creating podcasts and creating community at the same time.
0: We have three different podcast representatives that we've invited that are coming. One of them is from a great podcast called Americanish. And these are two people, Adela Kohab, a Syrian Mexican Jew, just think through all of those (laughs) together, and her podcasting partner is Mariam Huaba, an Egyptian Coptic Christian. And they will pick a topic that has to do with their faith or their culture, and they'll say, do you have something to say on this? Yes, I do. And then they don't talk until they talk about it, and they learn from each other in real time. They're very smart, they're very fun to listen to. We've had them as a guest on In Good Faith. And if someone wants to check them out, I think you'll find out why we like them. We're excited to have Adela Kohab from Americanish coming to be part of this. There's another one, and I have not met these men in person, but it's a podcast that's called Three Black Men theology, culture, and the world around us. And they're Robert Monson, Sam Gay, and Trey Ferguson. They're talking about all kinds of issues that affect black culture, society, and the world. But I want to read a review of their podcast from one of their listeners who says, as a white middle-aged man, that's me too, so (laughs) this piqued my interest, I love this podcast. There are always things in each podcast that don't resonate with me And at times I don't understand, but in every episode, God has something in it for me, often to help me see the world from a different perspective, opening up my ability to understand other perspectives. It's best summed up that this podcast is for me, but isn't about me. And how interesting to expand our minds to something that maybe isn't about us specifically, but is useful to us to know as part of the larger community.
1: Well, and that's part of the purpose of this kind of conference, just bring people together that have things in common, that care about the state of faith in America today. And it's amazing the interesting conversations you get when people who think they have nothing in common start to find (laughs) that they do.
0: (laughs) I think it's really interesting that there are plenty of religious discussions going on online, not all of them healthy. Sometimes there's that behind the keyboard anonymity Mm -hmm. that lets people say things they would truly never say to a real human being. But this conference creates a space where you can say what you think or ask the question that you have in exploratory, but not necessarily... Argumentative situations,
1: absolutely, or to be able to come up after someone has spoken and chat with them and try and understand it better. I've seen that happening with all kinds of different pairings of people—people you know, people from the LGBTQ community, people who are Latter-day Saints who are trying to understand someone from a Muslim community or a Native American. I mean, it's just really been a blessing.
0: Do you want to talk about this third podcast, Heather?
2: Yeah, we also have from the podcast "Mommying While Muslim" Zayba Hassan and Usma Jafri. And these two folks talk about actually the different ways in which they live Islam. And that's an important focus in their podcast is to basically say there's not just one way to do this. (laughs) And things look different globally in Islam and even regionally in Islam because of the different cultures that Islam comprises. So we're excited to have them join us as well. And I think you can tell one of the Efforts we made when we were inviting podcasters was to have that diversity. So we're excited about all of our guests.
0: And very excited that the the two sessions that we are moderating are not lectures. Mm-hmm. So we will hear from each of these podcasts, but then the audience has a chance also to ask questions.
1: Absolutely. And that's going to be the format overall. There'll be some people who are just giving presentations or having discussions on stage, but most of it will be opportunities for people to interact and to understand and to question.
0: We understand that even though we love podcasting, it's not the entire universe. (laughs) So who's coming who might be interesting to our listeners that aren't necessarily podcasters?
1: Sure. We've got some fabulous people this year. If you know Russell Moore, he's one of the most prominent evangelicals in the country right now. He was president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptists, which takes the lead in a very congregational based church in trying to advocate for positions that they believe in. And so he's someone who's been extremely thoughtful. Right now, he serves as editor in chief of Christianity Today, one of the largest Christian publications in the United mm-hmm. States. So he's won. We've got other wonderful people. Jonathan Rauch is a writer and a pundit. He's at Booking's Institution. He's won essentially the Pulitzer Prize version for the type of journalism that he does. He's done editing and writing for The Atlantic, for The New York Times, for other publications.
0: Are you witness to conversations of people learning something new?
1: Absolutely. It's so much fun to watch. I remember once at one of these events, we had a Muslim woman and we had a Orthodox Jewish man sitting and chatting to each other. The two of them one-on-one, they started talking and saying, oh, you know, we really ought to do something together, looking at anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And we have so many common issues. And it was just fascinating to watch them try to match up what they had in common
0: usually we say okay the supreme court and congress they're all figuring these religious freedom issues out and there are people especially in either religious minorities or other minorities who may hear the word religious freedom as we want freedom to discriminate can you comment on that
1: thank you for raising that that is very common and it's sort of sad i think sometimes people do use religious freedom sometimes as a, I'm afraid of this group and I don't want to have to associate with them. But I think religious freedom at its best has a deep respect for the human dignity of everyone. We've had individuals from the LGBT community, Jonathan is for example. We've had people from different religious traditions and people who aren't religious at all. We've had atheists come and participate. The thought is, though, that we can find ways to live together. And, for example, we've got a panel this year on the Respect for Marriage Act. Mm -hmm. How did that protect both religious institutions and the rights of LGBTQ individuals? And and trying to tease out some of those things and see how do we do a better job of living together with people we may not always agree with.
0: And I'm thinking beyond the borders of the U.S. now because you do have people coming internationally. And are there places where governments actually... I think I know the answer to this, but I want to ask someone who knows, where governments are actually threatened by the idea of religious freedom.
1: I work with a number of countries like that, where they're worried about maybe Islamic extremism, or they're worried about religious groups getting too powerful. And that fear leads them to clamp down and push religion out of the public sphere, regulate highly religion, even in the private sphere. Trying to work with governments like that, that's something I've spent a lot of time with, trying to help them understand that security comes with human rights and religious freedom. It's not a trade-off or a balance, one for the other.
0: Because people who feel oppressed are more likely to be unhappy with.
1: Studies show, history shows, those are the people who feel like they need to marshal their resources and fight the system.
0: So from your point of view, are things improving worldwide, or or is it up and down depending where you look?
1: It's largely depending on where you look. The Pew Research Center tracks this in every country in the world every year for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And they've shown that it is actually decreasing. I think we've seen an increase in the number of authoritarian governments or ones that—
0: Religious freedom decreasing.
1: Yes, worldwide. It's not a dramatic shift, but it happens. I've seen it in Russia, for example. I've worked in Russia for 23 years, and it's been really hard to see increasing limitations on people who are just trying to live their beliefs.
2: That's really fascinating. We've interviewed a couple of guests lately, one from Russia and one from Romania, Romania yeah. and It was interesting talking to them, not that I would want this situation for myself, but they saw their religious identity as a way to revolt or to rebel against the system in which they lived. And I think largely because the system was coming down so hard Mm. on people of faith, right? What's also interesting to me is how some communities who in the past experienced that sort of oppression, that's still a really important part of their identity. I see that actually in Utah. (laughs) As an outsider who's moved to Utah, that idea that The government could at any time do something really detrimental to the Latter-day Saint community. Mm -hmm. That still is like
1: part of the identity here. And I see that in Eastern Europe especially. They spent so many years being underground that there's still the fear that the government's going to come for us.
0: Have you seen government leaders realize advantages to supporting their religious communities?
1: Yes. That's the exciting part of my job, is being able to work with countries that are trying to improve their situation and help them work through the details of the laws, the details of the regulations, and how do we make this actually happen. There's a, an increasing recognition in Europe and the United States. That many countries now have either an ambassador at large for religious freedom who represents their government and just focusing on this issue.
0: You can find the Religious Freedom Conference online at religiousfreedom.byu.edu to attend in person.
1: It is free for BYU faculty, staff, and students.
0: Are there opportunities for people who can't attend in person?
1: Absolutely. We'll be streaming all the plenary sessions. We'll have all the sessions up and posted within a few days of the conference. So please come and join us virtually if you can't in person.
0: Elizabeth Clark, you give me hope that I could learn to understand some complicated (laughs) issues. So, thank you very much, and thank you for speaking with us today on In Good Faith.
1: My pleasure.